You're listening to Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything on KOPN. Good evening. Welcome to Radio Orbit for Sunday, August 8th, 2004. My name is Mike Hagan. I'm your host every Sunday morning, 2 o'clock till 5 a.m. on Radio Orbit, only on KOPN 89.5 FM, Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk, music of the world. More than radio, it's community radio and Radio Orbit, only from KOPN, Columbia, and surrounding areas. Like I said, this is Mike Hagan. I'm your host every Sunday. Radio Orbit, and uh, here we go. Getting things going with little Pink Floyd as as usual here on Radio Orbit. And uh, what are we going to do tonight? Actually, we're going to 
have an interview a little bit later on. My guest is Phyllis Galdi. Phyllis is the owner, the owner, uh, the publisher, wearer of many hats, as I said uh, on the interview, actually. Uh, the publisher of Fate Magazine. Fate Magazine is a monthly periodical. It has been covering the strange and unknown and mysterious for... 56 years now, since 1948, actually. So we're going to talk to uh, Phyllis Galdi. Phyllis is the owner of the magazine and uh, has a lot of really interesting information. She's been there for a long time, and she's seen a lot of things go through the doors of Fate Magazine. So it's actually a taped interview. I taped it on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening, and I'm going to air that tonight in about an hour. Uh, before that, uh, we've got an hour or so before we put that interview on, and I'll... Uh, well, well, we'll we'll do a couple things. We'll do a little space update. We'll find out what's going on in the sun. We'll find out what's going on in our in our local uh, local neighborhood here in space, and and we'll talk about a couple of stories. And hmm, I don't know. Just see what happens. Uh, before uh, before that, though, I think that I'll uh, talk a little bit about Radio Orbit. I haven't talked too much about that. This is only the third week that we've done the program. So uh, a lot of new listeners out there and gotten a lot of emails, uh, a lot of uh, correspondence. People give me their opinions and tell me what they think and what they like and what they don't like, and I appreciate all that stuff. Uh, you can email me with anything like that at Orbit Radio, O-R-B-I-T-R-A-D-I-O, orbitradio at AOL.com. And uh, send me a note. Let me know what you're thinking, and we'll try to address it here on the program. Radio Orbit is a program which investigates the unknown, the unexplained, the mysterious in science and mythology and space and inner space and outer space. And we talk about all kinds of crazy things here on Radio Orbit. Phyllis and I tonight will be talking about, oh, everything from UFOs to crop formations and life after death and lots of different things. But that's uh, typically what we do here on Orbit. So if you're not familiar with the program, uh, Orbit is sort of a uh, investigation into the unknown. And Fate Magazine has been investigating the unknown for 56 years, so my guest uh, tonight will actually be uh, pretty fitting for the program. Next week, I'm uh, talking to Kelly, and even though I don't have Kelly's uh, information right in front of me because I don't have her last name, her name is Kelly, and she is an expert in dream interpretation. And she works right here locally in Columbia at the School of Metaphysics. And Kelly's going to be my guest next week. And she's actually going to be live here in the studio. I actually have a guest that's going to sit up with me at 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, talk for a couple hours. And we're actually going to open the phone lines and we're going to let you all call in and talk to Kelly and tell her some of your dreams or nightmares and find out what she has to say about them, what sort of insight uh, they might give to you, and see if she can actually read any, me any meaning into those dreams. So Kelly will be with us next week. That should be really fun here in the studio. And uh, after that, I think the weekend after that, we'll have Kent Stedman again on the air. Kent, of course, uh, the, one of the inspirations for this show, and he was on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago when we launched, and uh, he'll be a regular guest on the show every Oh, I don't know. He'll be here every once a month or something like that, once every six weeks. Uh, 
So Ken Stedman coming up in two weeks. We've got Kelly from the School of Metaphysics next week. This week we have Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine. And we'll be playing a bunch of good music in between. Got things started with Pink Floyd, as I typically do. And we'll, uh, we'll go on from there in just a minute. So... Radio Orbit, KOPN, it's about 10 minutes after 2 o'clock in the a.m., late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Was driving in uh, on I-70 and turned down Broadway, and of course every Saturday evening about 1.30 on uh, Saturday night, or I guess it's Sunday morning by that time. But anyway, always lots of activity down here in downtown Columbia, the heart of Missouri. And KOPN Studios, 915 East Broadway, the heart of Columbia, broadcasting to you from downtown. And uh, Mike Hagan in the studio, broadcasting from his heart to your heart. So we got sort of a fractal thing going here. And in the meantime, I'll be back in just a minute. We'll get a little music going here, set the mood, come back, talk about space and what's happening on the sun. And then we'll get things moving along. So stay, uh, stay with me here, and we'll uh, talk to you in just a minute. This is Poe on Radio Orbit, KOPN. La, da, 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 da. Hello, hello.
KOPN, welcome to the show. 2.15 in the morning, Sunday morning. This is Mike, your host. As always, let's get right to it here. I want to talk about what's going on in the skies above your head right now. First of all, the sun. As we know, uh, if you were listening to the program a week or two ago, we usually do a, a solar update at the beginning of the program every week, and this week is no different. Today, and uh, actually the last few days, pretty uneventful on the sun nice mellow mellow waves heading down our way from Seoul however on the uh, eastern limb rolling back around been on the backside for about the last two months we've got a couple of pretty interesting areas sunspot area uh, 649 and also 652 behind that 649 rolling around right now 649 is the area that about three weeks ago gave us five very powerful x-class flares in a short period of time so we'll be watching that real close uh from most of the people that i uh talk to it looks like that area has kind of mellowed out a little bit and it doesn't look like it's quite as active as it was a couple weeks ago when it came through however you never know with these things. Uh, they're very dynamic, and they can change in any minute. So we're watching 649, and uh, 652 was actually a very large uh, region of sunspots that we saw a couple of weeks ago, too, and actually didn't didn't produce uh, as much activity as we kind of thought that it would uh, because it was just a very, very big, uh, large area on the sun, and um, we'll have to see what that looks like when it rolls around here in about a week or so. And... What else? Um, so everything's cool on the sun for now. No pun intended. You don't have to worry too much about uh, about a giant solar flare ruining your afternoon or something like that. So, 
Make sure you wear your sunscreen, though, if it's hot, because those rays are pretty nasty, though, regardless. Actually, I take that back. I love the sun, and I don't wear sunscreen, and I don't wear sunglasses, and I go outside sometimes during the day when the sun is at about, about noon, about noon high, when it's really clear, and I go out in my backyard, and I, and I just stare right at the sun. <laughs> yep, I look right at it, and uh, probably, probably make me blind. But uh, so far, I haven't had any problems. In fact, I think it's making me, I think it's actually making me evolve or something. Huh. Well, I'd like to think that. Anyway, regardless. Okay, what else? Uh, the Perseid meteor shower coming up in just a couple of days. What's today? Today's the 8th. Uh, on the 10th and the 11th, or maybe the 11th and 12th, right around there, between the 10th and the 12th, uh, you will see some pretty interesting things in the sky. The uh, Perseid meteor shower uh, is going to peak on the 11th and 12th. Um, lots of forecasters say this uh, should be an unusually good display this year. Uh, the moonlight shouldn't be um, shouldn't be a spoiler. Right now we got about a we got about a half full moon out there. In a few days it should only be about a quarter or so. So, so we won't have a whole lot of moonlight that's spoiling the show. And uh, there's going to be a, a really neat ribbon of meteor, meteoroids uh, in space. And uh, we should uh, be able to witness all those. Sometimes uh, you'll see one, two every minute, up to 100, 200, 300, 400 an hour sometimes. And all you can do is stare up at the sky for a few minutes, and uh, you'll see some of these things blazing across your blazing across your field of vision. All right, so that's the Perseids. Uh, they'll be back here in just a couple of days. Uh, Perseid, meaning that they come from the constellation Perseus. Well, actually not from the constellation, but from that direction. Uh, so we have the Perseid meteor shower. We also have the Leonid. Of course, the Leonid coming from the constella- uh, constellation Leo or from that direction. So they do that with all of, the, uh, uh, all of these meteor showers that we see. They tend to name them uh, because of the direction that they came from. So... So that should be kind of cool. If you got a, an area where you have some good viewing and uh, not a lot of light, go outside the next few nights, and uh, you should be in for a in for a pretty cool uh, cool display of some uh, some meteor uh, some meteors flying around in the sky right in front of you. Okay. What else? Uh, we also like to talk about uh, NEOs or what we call near Earth objects. These are also called PHAs. In uh, some some of the uh, communities that talk about this stuff. PHA means potentially hazardous asteroid. These are rocks that are that are bigger than a hundred meters. They classify anything bigger than a hundred meters as a potentially has uh, potentially potentially hazardous asteroid. And uh, they get uh, any of those that come closer to the Earth than 0.05 astronomical units. An astronomical unit is the distance between the Earth and the Sun, which is approximately 93 million miles. We call that one astronomical unit. So, uh, 0.05 astronomical units, I don't know, whatever that comes out to, about, uh, oh, half a million miles or so, maybe. Uh, I don't, don't quote me on the math, but somewhere within half a million, a million miles. Sounds like a long distance, but in cosmic terms, that's just a... Just a uh, just a whisker. So 
so we've got uh, potentially hazardous asteroids cruising around all the time. We don't know how many they are. They've identified. Uh, well, they identify new ones all the time. There are currently, I want to say, uh, 600 and some that have been identified as Earth crossers. That means 600 or so asteroids that have been identified as uh, stones or rocks that have an orbit that at some point in the future uh, could put, uh, put the asteroid in line with the Earth which means that the asteroid and the Earth could actually collide with one another. So, potentially hazardous asteroids, that's what we talk about sometimes. There's uh, nothing, uh, nothing too worrisome coming. Uh, we had a couple of close calls last month, actually in July, uh, 2000 PH5. That one came uh, oh, within about a million miles of the planet. We talk about asteroids sometimes with lunar distances, too. The moon is actually about 250,000 miles from the Earth. And when we get an asteroid or a comet or, uh, well, any sort of celestial body that starts to get uh, in the vicinity of the moon or the distance away from our planet that the moon is, then uh, things start to get interest interesting. That's when uh, that's when these things uh, start to be watched very closely because when we start to get as close as the moon, well, then all kinds of things can happen. Uh, we have uh, gravitational interactions between the, the bodies, and the orbits are not as uh, predictable as we might always like to think. So when they start to get that close, we, uh, we watch them pretty closely and see what they do. Uh, coming up in September uh, 2003, UX34... Uh, that's well. It's going to make a pretty interesting flyby. That's going to be about 10 million miles away, though. Not uh, not too close, but it's a pretty big asteroid. Then on September 10th, we have 2004 JA27. By the way, if you're wondering about these names, they name them by the year uh, and uh, the year that they were discovered. And then usually, like the guy's initials, who uh, the guy or the girl's initials who discovered them. And so that's why you have, the, you have all these strange names, like 2003 UX34. That's the one that's kind of going to swing by on September 9th. September 10th, 2004, JA27. It's a pretty big rock that's going to be rolling by us. Again, not very close, though, 23, 24 lunar distances away. The interesting one is Tutatis, though. Tutatis is going to be swinging by on September 29th or thereabouts, and it's only four lunar distances from the Earth. That's about a million miles. And we were talking about Tutatis, actually, last week. There's been quite a bit of news um, in the alternative news, uh, people that, that uh, follow astronomy and cosmic happenings and things of the like. People have been talking about Tutatis quite a bit, actually for a number of years, because it is a very unpredictable asteroid. It has a really strange rotation, and it has an interesting orbit. The rotation actually actually makes the orbit a little bit less predictable than uh, than most. So Tutatis is going to be around September 29th, and being the fact that it's only four lunar distances away from from the planet, uh, that uh, could make things a little bit interesting. So we'll be watching Tutatis pretty closely. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more between now and the flyby, but it. Uh, is one that we need to watch a little bit. So, man, listen to those crickets. Listen to those crickets. They must be right in the friggin' building. All right, we'll eliminate that. 
And um, what else we got to talk about here? It's about 2.25, and I read an interesting story. I tend to follow the environmental news a lot, too. I'm not uh, a tree hugger, per se, but I am interested in the news. I think that... Um, uh, humans certainly have an effect on the environment here on planet Earth. I don't think that uh, long-term it really matters one way or the other. Humans will either be here or they won't. Mother Earth will continue to do her thing and uh, evolve. And who knows what's uh, following after us or uh, or what followed before us. And maybe we'll just keep going here. But in any case, um, <clears throat> uh, we hear... We hear an awful lot these days about all the problems that are happening on on, uh, on Mother Earth with the environment. And in the sea, we hear a lot about that uh, recently as well. Fishing uh, areas being overfished and depleted and species being eliminated and all kinds of things like that. Well, here's an interesting story, actually, um, from... Uh, from the from the Herald in California, and there's a uh, a university professor whose name is Ron DeOr, D apostrophe O R, so Ron DeOr, and um, anyway, he is uh, working on a census of marine life, and one of the things that they've didn't really discover, but one of the things that they're talking about now, which is good, is that not only do we not know how much life is in the sea. Uh, we we really don't even know what kind of life is in the sea to this point. And uh, we have an idea about certain things. Obviously, we've uh, been exploring the oceans for a number of years and cataloging fauna and flora as we come across them like we do everywhere else. But the oceans are an incredibly vast Uh, a vast area to explore. And we don't even have the means technologically to explore certain areas of the ocean, the very deep parts. We're starting to get a little bit better, sending remotely operated vehicles, ROVs, they call them, uh, down into deep places like the Marianas Trench. Uh, they go over to the Mid-Atlantic Ridge and down into all these deep, deep crevices and and chasms that poke their ways miles and miles down inside uh, inside the earth and filled filled with water and um, certain areas of the ocean are six seven eight miles deep and what lurks at the bottom of these areas we really really just don't know yet there were uh, there's new discoveries happening happening all the time uh, this uh, Rhonda Orr here talks about more than uh, 80,000 different specimens, different species were gathered and photographed uh, uh, from depths depths up to four kilometers. Now, four kilometers is about two and a half miles deep, which is, oh, let's see, a mile is 5,280 feet, so two miles is 10,500, three miles, about 16,000, so two and a half miles, oh, 13,500 feet or so deep. Now, that is uh, very deep. However, the ocean is much deeper than that. And uh, the, the uh, things that are happening at these great depths in the ocean, we really, really don't know. And uh, there could be all kinds of different things down there that we just haven't anticipated and really know nothing about. So kind of an encouraging story, actually. I think that uh, no matter... No matter how, how uh, depressing things may seem when we hear stories about the environment and 
what's going wrong. I think one of the things we have to remember when, when uh, scientists or politicians or uh, environmentalists or whoever talk about these things, we have to understand that uh, they know very little about them. And we, have, we, we, we still know so little about our own planet. It's crazy. We all, uh, one of the themes of this program, as you all know, is we, we try to uh, make a point and uh, teach people that there is still a whole lot to learn, that we haven't really figured everything out yet. And uh, although the powers that be like to make us think that we've got everything figured out, we really have very, uh, very many things left to learn. The oceans being a big part of that here on planet earth uh, we don't even we don't even know oh boy who knows what uh, the, the percentage of things that we don't know about what's going on in the ocean so anyway plenty of fish in the sea and uh, as species are eliminated we always seem to be identifying new and different ones and i don't uh, mean to underrate or uh, to discount the problems that we are facing and the impact that man is having on this planet. It's obviously an intelligible, uh, 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 a tangible effect that man is having. But I also think that we need to remember that the Earth has been around for five billion years and she's going to be around a lot longer. And the Earth is required for man's life. The Earth is required for all life on this planet. Man is not required for the Earth's life. And I think that's something that we need to make sure that we remember. So the Earth is going to do her thing and, uh, and hopefully she allows man to continue to uh, live on her surface. And maybe we need to start thinking a little bit more about things in, in those terms. So, okay, so that's what's going on, on the, uh, in, in the oceans. What else do we want to talk about here? Actually, I'll get a, little something else, uh, get a little something else lined up here to talk about in a minute, but we'll, uh, we'll listen to some music here for, for a couple seconds and let me settle down. I just kind of got my, my butt in the chair here and making the transition between uh, uh, the previous show and this one is always a little bit of a challenge, so the first, uh, first few minutes is always a little bit difficult, but we'll, uh, we'll be back with you in just a minute. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. This is Soundgarden from Bad Motorfinger, Outshined. <laughs>
Soundgarden, KOPN Radio Orbit. On Sunday morning, August 8th. Okay, uh, what else do you want to talk about here? I was reading a story earlier today about Sir Isaac Newton, and uh, everybody knows who Newton was. He was the gentleman who gave us the three laws of motion. But uh, Sir Isaac Newton did a lot more than, uh, than just study things of the physical nature like that. He was actually much more interested in writing about things like the apocalypse and uh, biblical prophecy and alchemy and these sorts of things. Uh, we've known for a long time that, uh, that, that Newton sort of dabbled in the occult, but um, I think it's actually more than a dabbling when we find out how much he actually wrote about the esoteric as opposed to the exoteric, which he, which his laws, of course, uh, the three laws of motion, uh, were primarily exoteric rules that we see in the physical world. But uh, uh, Newton, although we think of him primarily as a scientist, uh, he was uh, he he was also very interested in things like theological texts, and he's written he wrote million words on alchemy and. Uh, um, all of this stuff is going to be coming out and it's going to be on the web here very shortly. All, everything that, uh, well, everything that we know that Sir Isaac Newton wrote is going to be published on the web very shortly here. There was a project that's called the Newton Project. And uh, if you're interested in that, you can go to www.newtonproject.ic.ac.uk. And that started back in the late, uh, late 90s. 98 or 99, and uh, they started collecting all these works of Sir Isaac Newton, and people started to say, man, he wasn't writing, uh, he wasn't writing primarily about science and uh, these physical laws. He was writing primarily about all these funky things like the, the apocalypse and the, and the whore of Babylon and <laughs> things like that. So pretty interesting stuff, and if the, more, the more you study these guys, you go back and you look at uh, Leonardo da Vinci, um, Galileo Galilei and some of the great names in science as we go back historically you find out that a lot of these guys were involved in uh, how do we say it side projects or uh, their interests were their scientific interests in many cases seemed to come from other interests uh, those being involvements in secret societies and secret schools that go back thousands of years and these guys were all initiates of those traditions and a lot of the stuff that we talk about today is ancient knowledge that was collected and held very closely by small groups for many many years and shared only with initiates of those groups and Sir Isaac Newton was a, another example of something like this happening in the past. What else do we talk about here? The, um, on, that, on that actual project, it was actually pretty interesting. There, the number of manuscripts on the Whore of Babylon, which just cracks me up, actually, uh, the two-horned and ten-horned beasts and all this stuff, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's probably 50 years of his life's work. He spent by far the majority of his time working on this sort of stuff. So anyway, anybody who's interested in Sir Isaac Newton and uh, 
some of the things that he talked about that were not published and were not things that we, you were taught in science class. All those things are going to be coming out on the web here very shortly, thanks to the uh, thanks to the Newton Project. So go check it out. Uh, I'm not going to give that website out again because I forgot all the little .ic, .ac, .uk, and all that. But anyway, just go to Google or another search engine and uh, type in the Newton Project, and you'll be able to find that. It's about 2:42 on KOPN. This is Mike Hagen on Radio Orbit. And uh, I'm on the web right now looking. Uh, there was a story that I wanted to talk to you all about. There have been some interesting things happening with volcanoes and earthquakes in the last week. It seems like the volcanism has uh, started to heat up a little bit again. And we're watching... Uh, the volcano and earthquake monitors pretty closely. Of course, volcanism and earthquakes, all those things are connected, and we also think there are connections between the sun and, um, and those things. Like we talked about last week, the sun directly affects the magnetic field of the earth. The magnetic field of the earth is obviously directly connected with the earth itself, and earthquakes and volcanism are connected through all these plate tectonics and underground rivers and oceans of lava and the whole system is in flux and always changing things moving from one place to another and one area is relieving pressure while pressure is building in another area and things like that are happening all the time so again earthquakes and volcanoes something that we talk about here on earth but we have very little control over them, and we're still learning a whole lot about them because, again, these systems are so dynamic, and there are so many variables in the system that in order to try to uh, predict them has obviously been, uh, been very, very difficult. Uh, the, Atlantic, the Atlantic Ridge underwater, <clears throat> which we talked about a little bit earlier, we were talking about all the fish species that were being found on these deep ocean expeditions, exploratory expeditions, and uh, the mid-Atlantic the mid Ridge is no different. Uh, there's Most of the volcanoes on the planet are underwater. Of course, <clears throat> 70, 72% of the surface of this planet is covered by water. Only 28% of it is land. It's actually more of a water world than it is a land world. And the great majority of life, the great majority of the species that exist on this planet, live in the water. And we know very little about the entire biosystem and ecosystem of the oceans. We do our best to learn about it, but we don't know all that much. And like I said earlier, there's not uh, there there are areas of the ocean which where 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 man has yet to tread. And uh, nobody knows what uh, what might be going on in places like that. Uh, so the um, volcanoes activating up a little bit. The sun, mellow. Earthquakes, nothing too uh, exciting to talk about. Nothing too... Uh, no no portents of doom that I see on the on the immediate radar screen. But we will 
keep watching and keep talking about it every week here on Radio Orbit. So, as I told you, in about 15 minutes, we're going to listen to an interview with my guest, Phyllis Galdi. Phyllis Galdi is the owner, publisher of Fate Magazine. Fate Magazine has been publishing stories about the unknown, the unexplained, for many years, since 1948, actually, the longest-running the longest running magazine of its kind and Phyllis and I had a real nice conversation on Wednesday night we talked for about an hour and a half and she knows a lot about a lot of different things and we talked about all kinds of different things and it was pretty fun and we're going to get that interview on for you in about 15 minutes uh, at the top of the hour between now and then um, Let's, uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about some future guests that are coming up, too. Because the program is new uh, during this first hour, I want people to uh, have a chance to hear me talk about some of the things that uh, I'll be presenting in the next weeks and months. And I have some really interesting guests lined up. I got a confirmation this last week from Lucy Pringle to do the show. Lucy is a crop circle or crop formation researcher and an aerial photographer, and she is uh, in the United Kingdom. We'll be talking to her via telephone, and it will be a live interview when Lucy is on the air. Luckily, uh, 3 o'clock in the morning central time is about 9 o'clock in the morning in the United Kingdom, so it's a nice Sunday morning interview for Ms. Pringle. And... uh, she has some incredible information about the last season of uh, crop circles or crop formations. Uh, it's now August, and June, July, and August typically are the highest months of activity that we see in uh, uh, the crop, crop circle phenomenon. And every year they get more and more sophisticated and beautiful. It's an incredible form of artwork and whoever is performing the art in my opinion anymore is really not that valid or not that uh, relevant I should say very valid but not relevant I don't care who's making these things they are absolutely astounding now it's obvious at times there are some that are made by human beings they're, they're obvious uh, because they're, there are flaws there are mistakes, and um, they show the obvious signs of human intervention. Then there are other ones that aren't quite so easy to classify. They show the plants themselves inside these formations show physical properties that are different from plants outside the circles, for example. There are magnetic and radiation signatures inside these formations that are different than the areas outside of the formations. There are elements of sacred geometry hidden inside many of these structures that to the unaided eye, to the untrained eye, would not even go recognized. Uh, Things like the golden mean 
the golden section we talk about. Uh, this, uh, this particular ratio is found quite frequently in the crop formations, uh, the ones that we at least like to call legitimate, quote-unquote. So anyway, this last year has been no different. There have been just some absolutely beautiful formations, and like I say, forget about who's making them. It doesn't even matter. They are absolutely beautiful. They are works of art. I call it, I call it earth art. And in the true sense of art, in that it is fleeting, it's passing, it cannot be possessed, cannot be owned. It can only be observed and appreciated for the aesthetic value in the artwork itself. The formations are created however they're created, and they only stick around for a few days until the crops begin to grow again or the tractor cruises through the field and wipes them out or a storm comes and they only stay in their original state for a very short period of time and we're very lucky uh, that these people like Lucy are out there photographing them and uh, investigating them as soon as they're discovered um, because they go away so quickly and Lucy has been at the forefront of this research for many years and it should be a really interesting conversation because this is real stuff and really interesting stuff and really cool just beautiful beautiful artwork some of the things like I say these, these that uh, that these artists are creating are really really cool so that'll be fun we'll talk to Lucy in a couple weeks next week my guest is uh, Kelly from the School of Metis uh, Metaphysics right here in Columbia. She's going to be in the studio with me. We're going to be doing some dream interpretation and uh, talking to Kelly about a lot of different things. I just got an email yesterday from a gentleman whose name is G. Edward Griffin. Now, Ed Griffin is a hero of mine, and I'm really excited to be talking to him. I'm trying to set up a show for September 11th. I want to do a special uh, uh, for 9-11. For Radio Orbit uh, typically does not get involved in politics, uh, I try to stay apolitical for the most part, but the elections are coming up. Uh, the anniversary of 9-11 is coming up, and although the 9-11 Commission released their report a week or so ago, and uh, there's been a lot of news about all that stuff uh, politically coming out in the last few weeks, um, my own personal opinion is that the whole thing is an utter and complete whitewash, uh, but that's no surprise. We are lied to on a regular basis now um, and have been for some time. And G. Edward Griffin is a guy who for many years has been exposing truths and helping to educate people into the true nature of uh, things that are happening in this country and around the world. And when Ed Griffin is on the program, he's going to blow your guys' minds. So if you're interested in 9-11, if you're interested in the upcoming elections, if you're interested in talking about things like the New World Order and uh, uh, conspiracy or not, depending on on where, what your position is on that, and it doesn't really matter. You can argue it all day. But uh, Ed Griffin has some really interesting perspective on all that stuff. He's written a number of books. Uh, one of the first books that I read by Ed Griffin was called The Creature from Jekyll Island. It is considered the seminal, and I can say seminal on the air, it is considered the seminal work on the Federal Reserve. And if you don't know the history or the details about the Federal Reserve and how that institution functions, how it was created, and uh, the nature of that institution, you really need to listen to this show because it will, it will uh, really give you some insight into the way this country works and um, 
uh, should be a real eye-opening show for a whole lot of people. So Ed Griffin, real excited to have him. He'll be coming up hopefully September 11th. Uh, September 12th is a Sunday, so that means Saturday night, uh, September 11th. Hopefully we'll have Ed Griffin on the show. Dennis McKenna, I talked about him a couple weeks ago. Dennis is going to be on the program, probably not till September. I'm working on a uh, an interview with a gentleman named Peter Hagelstein, who is a professor at MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Professor Hagelstein is an expert on cold fusion, cold fusion, an energy alternative energy technology that has been debated and debated for many years now, but. I believe that it has a basis in reality, and I'm in pretty good company because Professor Hagelstein from MIT thinks so too. And although a lot of his peers may disagree with him, I think these guys are very close uh, to proving this once and for all. And it's something that's very, very important because it allows us the opportunity to cut the cord of dependence on fossil fuels and carbon-based fuels uh, that we rely on import of for so much of our activity here in the United States. Uh, we import the great majority of the oil that we burn. Most of it comes from the Middle East. That's why we're over there fighting right now for the most part. Uh, or certainly one of the reasons why we're over there fighting and uh, why our soldiers are dying. If we can uh, get rid of our dependence on foreign energy sources and foreign oil and come up with a clean alternative, renewable source of energy, our country and the rest of the country will be much better off, the rest of the world. So cold fusion is something that's really interesting. It's been around for about 20 years. It's been debated back and forth. It's actually been proven, in my opinion, but uh, there are very powerful forces that are trying to keep the technology at bay. There are plenty of good reasons for that. It happens in many different industries, and it is primarily related to money, power, and greed. And those things uh, have made many, many discoveries in the past hundred years take way, way, way too long to reach the people of this planet and uh, the other creatures that inhabit this planet to try to try to help things bring things back into balance. So hopefully we'll be talking to uh, Professor Hagelstein about cold fusion in a few weeks too. I'm going to put on a little music here to uh, finish off the top of the hour or to get us to the top of the hour we'll come back with an interview with Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine on Radio Orbit KOPN 89.5 FM mid-Missouri source for in-depth news diverse talk and music of the world I'll be back at the top of the hour here in just a few minutes with Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine this is the Eels on Radio Orbit. Crawling on the bathroom mirror. 
stop staring back How did I get this way? Take a baby look at a living life Life to rise and lust to buzz Good evening or good morning to you wherever you are. You are listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM. And uh, I'm your host, Mike Hagan, every week here on Radio Orbit. And tonight my guest, and I'm very pleased to have her here with me, is Phyllis Galdi. Phyllis is the owner, operator, uh, publisher, the wearer of many hats, I guess, at Fate Magazine. And uh, Fate Magazine is a monthly magazine that uh, investigates the unexplained, the mysterious, the unknown, all the things we like to talk about here on Radio Orbit. And um, uh, it is the longest-running periodical in its field, and uh, Fate has been writing about things that very few others would write about for over 50 years now. So 
real happy to have Phyllis here. So without further delay, let's bring her on the air here. Welcome, Phyllis. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, cool. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Well, um, why don't we start out... Uh, uh, by let's assume that our that our listeners aren't familiar with uh, Fate Magazine, we'll give them a little history of the magazine and um, how it came about, and how uh, eventually you got involved with it. And it, gosh, it's been around for a long, long time. So the 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 history actually, uh, the Fate Magazine has been a witness to a lot of things over these last uh, 55 years or whatever. Right, 56 years actually. 56 years. Okay. So what's, where's that put it, 1948, Phyllis? 1948. It started as a UFO magazine with uh, Kenneth Arnold had a, a sighting, and that, that ignited the whole saucer craze, the flying saucer craze. That's when it was born, and fate was, was there at the birthing of it. Wow. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that Kenneth Arnold story. Well, um, he was a pilot, and um, he was flying over Mount Rainier out uh, west, and, and he saw some, some discs shaped things and he had a, had a camera in the small plane you know those little bi-wing old-fashioned planes sure. and uh, he snapped pictures and people just went crazy about that yeah that was where they originally coined the phrase or something i think the reporter Flying from saucer, yes yeah yeah it was interesting last year i met um, um an older gentleman who flew kenneth arnold is no longer on the planet with us he's departed but i met a young at that time, I am an older man who flew with Kenneth Arnold, so that was pretty no exciting way. that he actually uh, was a pilot with him when he was out there. Did he? Did that gentleman give you any insight into uh, Kenneth Arnold at all? You know, whether I mean to to either enhance or reduce well, his he, credibility or anything like that. Snickety person. I mean, pilots are real <laughs> attention to detail, or they wouldn't be alive. Yeah, they you say there's. Watch everything you see and everything that goes on, and and uh, Kenneth Arnold had no reason to even understand or think there was going to be uh, flying discs in the air. He said, what the heck is this? Right. So he just grabbed his camera and snapped. And, of course, they didn't have fancy digital cameras, so it's lucky that he even got any photographs with their kind of primitive equipment. Huh. Yeah, they say there are no old, brave pilots, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, interesting. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's what started the sort of whole, the, the whole craze, actually. That was, uh, that was what kind of got the whole ball rolling. So, so who started Fate Magazine? Somebody obviously saw that and said, hey, this is an opportunity for us to tap into this, uh, uh, this uh, interest that's, that's developing over the flying saucer phenomenon. Is that what, who, who was involved at that time? Ray Palmer and Curtis Fuller actually started the magazine together. Ray Palmer had in, been involved with the, the Shaver mystery about the Deros and Neros, those creatures that lived underground, and he had this whole huh. elaborate, uh, it's kind of a hoax actually, but he was into the more sensationalist kinds of things, and then he talked Curtis um, Fuller into starting a magazine, and they named it Fate Magazine. Curtis Fuller was a very straight arrow kind of person. He was just a, a journalist. He really wasn't into metaphysical paranormal kinds of things at all he was right. just uh, just a straight journalist but then he he and his wife came to have some fascinating wonderful experiences of their own while they worked on it while they owned the magazine yeah it's amazing how you know when you start to follow these threads and start to actually uh live it a little bit it, it, either either you tend to either you recognize it more or it's or it, or it happens more or or you just draw it towards you or something because uh, uh that's a similar story you know mm-hmm and it, interestingly, they 
they owned the magazine until 1988, and then they sold it to Llewellyn Publications. Right. And they were in their elder years and a little bit declining health, but then I bought the magazine from Llewellyn uh, about three years ago, and the Fullers have long since gone into the spirit world, but I do feel them around every once in a while. Is that right? And you were familiar enough with them to probably recognize if there was a presence No, no, I, I never met them. I ah, never knew them. Ah, oh, okay. But uh, I just knew it was them by the, by the energy, um, mm. uh, and they were very, very, uh, you know, like, not congratulations, Phyllis, uh, go for it, take good care of the magazine. They were very scolding and, <laughs> and sensorial. Really? Like, you better do a good job, and... Kind of like shaking fingers at me. Wow, they were concerned about their child or something, maybe, huh? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, sure, it was their baby for many, many years. Right. Wow, pretty cool. So, so that's something that actually happened in. Now, now, where's the the magazine is run? It used to be run out of an office. I know that a long time ago. And I know they were in Chicago for a while. Yes, the first um, were in in Chicago, and then when they sold it to Llewellyn, it was run out of St. Paul. And I actually worked for Llewellyn Publication for a number of years. I was right. a book editor there, and then when Llewellyn, I started in '85 at Llewellyn, and then when they bought the magazine in '88, '89, then I got switched over to help with the magazine. Huh. Wow, that's pretty wild. the editor-in-chief. Uh, and then I quit Llewellyn to start my own publishing company, my own metaphysical paranormal book publishing company. And then in 99, they called me back to help with the magazine because they were thinking about selling it. So uh-huh. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Wow. So you were there. So you were actually working, working there in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then left for a little while and then came back when you actually Correct. bought the magazine. Wow. So now you've kind of so you, so you've sort of mer- merged that in with your other projects, I guess. Well, no, Fate is is a total separate entity. But your publishing company uh, uh, represents some other authors and books and all that sort of stuff. Yes, track. yes. We 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 still publish books. We have ah, about a hundred okay. titles actually, and a really? lot of them are metaphysical, paranormal titles. Yeah, I actually was able to breeze through uh, the the flyer you sent me, and I saw I actually saw some uh, some some people that I'm familiar with in there. Well, I'm, I must say you picked a great time to buy the magazine, I think, because there has obviously been a a real. Uh, Upswing on the interest in all the sort of stuff that uh, that, that that you guys uh, have been talking about in Fate Magazine for all these years, and now all of a sudden it's uh, it's either back in vogue or in vogue for the first time, or maybe people are really uh, starting to get interested in this stuff. So yes, how's your success with uh, with the website? How long has the website been around? Well, we just redid our website earlier this year, and uh, we should hit a million hits here uh, probably in the next few days. Wow, that's great. So there's there's just a tremendous amount of interest in in UFOs and uh, Latin American <coughs> excuse me kind of sightings and yeah I and see both the paranormal. I saw that uh, Scott Corrales is a, a frequent writer mm-hmm. um, yeah. through the magazine and, and on the website as well. And yeah, I I, uh, I don't know Scott personally, but I have a lot of respect for him, and I think he's a he's a great reporter. So. Very careful researcher. Yeah, he really is. And and I tell you, I, I was I had on my list here uh, to talk. Uh, pardon me to talk a little bit later about uh, about the Mexican uh, UFO disclosure um, that you actually talk about in this month's issue, uh, actually in July's issue, so yeah. last month last month's issue. But uh, that was quite um, quite the news, and 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 I, I I read quite a bit about it over over about a month's time there, and the the fact that it was completely blacked out here. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me making too big of a deal out of it, but I thought that was huge news. Well, it, it was on either Fox News. I think Fox, uh, Steve Bassett talked about it uh, for about, 
oh gosh, five ten minutes. So it did get some major airtime on the national media. Oh, well, I miss. I, I I don't I don't watch it that much, so I guess I shouldn't be saying what they're showing or what they're not showing. <laughs> but well, yeah, Steve Bassett was on Fox. That's pretty good. That he's been uh, he's been working really hard for for a lot of years uh, on the political side of things. Exactly so. the disclosure. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, boy, I don't know. I've 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 been uh, like you, uh, following following the whole UFO thing for a long, long time. Ever since I was a kid, you know, uh, I, I was just attracted to it or whatever. And I've waited. I'm 40 years old now, and I'm just waiting for the day when they uh, when they tell us something. <laughs> you know, I just I want to just want to hear something. Mm-hmm. I just want to hear something other than the constant denial that is so obviously. Uh, incorrect, at least it seems these days. So, yes. Well, I don't know. I guess you can't take this to the bank. But one astrologer friend of mine. Usually, I can I can take what she tells me to the bank. She's been dead on so many things. But she says was either 2005 or 2006. We're going to have definitive, concrete evidence of really? ETs and and UFOs. Well, so that's I- kind of exciting to think about. That that. Um, the, the, the aliens, the ETs, are sick and tired of all the cover-ups, so they're just going to, like, you know, land. Here we are. Hello. You can't deny this. You can't kill us all and mm-hmm. spirit us away in some <laughs> army hospital. We do exist. So that, that's kind of exciting. It'll be interesting to see if this really happens because it's only, like, another year or so. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, I, as far as I'm concerned, it, it certainly can't make things much worse. And uh, maybe, maybe, maybe something like that, an event like that, would be... Yeah, if nothing else, something to wake all of these humans out of their slumber. Uh, sure, just to just sure. We'd shake up the political system because they right. like to they like to think that they have total power and total control. Right, and uh, and it's just it's that's just an illusion, and uh, people need to realize that, and then start to empower themselves. And when they realize all these other things are possible, you know, I've always thought that 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 that's the whole, or at least a big part of the game is that is that the you know the the people that own the world they don't want people to realize what their potential really is you oh know no I mean? no it, it's much easier to control people if they're like sheep or cattle or right right and don't understand the power in their own being you know That's right wow yeah interesting stuff well that would be something else and i and i i i i'd, I'd like to hope that uh that your friend is correct, and I'll wait and see with bated breath. Mm-hmm. Although I probably, I probably, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I've heard that I've heard it so many times now. It's so frustrating, you know, to get to look forward to some of these things. I remember when Stephen Greer did the uh, uh, disclosure. Uh, when he actually filmed uh, the stuff at the press club uh, yeah. in, in Washington, that was a disappointment. Gosh, wasn't it? It was so anticlimactic, and it mm-hmm. was, and the testimony was so incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the stuff that these people were saying under, well, not under oath, but basically, uh, th- I guess they were under, they they, mm-hmm. they were depositions. So yeah, they were basically under oath, right? I mean, and they were saying these things. So I thought it was just astounding, and then the fact that it just kind of faded away just broke my heart. You know. Mm-hmm. But I guess it was a step, and uh, and uh, you just got to keep uh, keep pushing, and hopefully someday we'll find out what's really going on. You know, right? The X conference was uh, pretty successful. That was held out in Washington D.C. Uh, Steve right, Bassett in, in Maryland. Yeah. Of course, Greer spoke there too. Did he? Okay. I, I, I actually had a friend who was supposed to go to that conference. Uh, a woman who's sort of in the intel side of stuff in Maryland there, um, but for whatever reason she wasn't able to go. But I did read. I actually read about it on. Uh, uh, on fate, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, so uh, so that was cool that you guys actually did pretty extensive coverage of that. So, mm-hmm. so I, we felt it was really important. And I tell you, there's 
I mean, fate is about more things than UFOs, but as long as we started on that, right, thing, right. there's just been an incredible um, upsurge of interest and sightings and happenings and people coming out of the closet to talk about it. Now, for a while, the field was really kind of dead and boring about the last two years. There was just not much going on, huh. but all of a sudden now, it's just everything's really popping. The UFO conferences are very well attended. There's just lots and lots of things going on now that uh, specific uh, uh, sightings and happenings that just people can't can't ignore. Well, what do you make of that? Do you, do you think do you think that that's something, Phyllis, that is that really is a spike in activity or something, or do you think it's a where people have now all of a sudden started to realize it or or or, or be more aware or or do you really think, think that there's something different happening i think it's both i think people's awareness <coughs> excuse me i i mean i believe that they've been around i my family has seen uh, spacecraft since i was a very young child on the farm in north dakota before there were ever satellites i just think part of it is the consciousness of people mm-hmm my yoga instructor, for instance, she was on a street corner in New York uh, maybe 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. And, oh, my God, there's a spacecraft, you see it? And, like, other people just either didn't care or didn't mm-hmm. want to look or didn't mm-hmm. want to see it. Well, I have it heard... was there. She saw it and was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. What is... But no one else uh, wanted to, um, to think about it. It didn't fit in with their reality. So I think people are becoming more sensitive, more aware, more open. Steven Spielberg has certain, certainly helped a lot for us to accept that there are ETs around. Wow. Well, you know what? I have heard similar stories. And, in fact, I heard a similar story from a friend of mine um, who runs, and you may even be familiar with him. His name is Kent Stedman. He runs uh, cyberspaceorbit.com. Okay. And, uh, anyway, he was on my show a couple of weeks ago, and he uh, he's an experiencer as well. And he... Uh, he has uh, some great stories about it but anyway he told me a similar story about and it was in New York and he said exactly the same thing that you say uh, Phyllis that that the people even even though it was right there in broad daylight um, and I think it really is a perception thing I think like you say when it doesn't fit into your particular concept of reality your your uh, your mind brain system literally can make it Invisible, where it just doesn't yes. doesn't register. It's just like people don't see colors. Some some artists can see nuances of colors, and some people are just like, bo- you know, they just see various boring shades of, mm. of green or something. But but an artist will will just see so much more intensity. Right, and it's a perceptual thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand that the you know the way we think about seeing, you know, it's not just about the eyes. <laughs> you know, seeing actually occurs in the brain. And the eyes are a part of the process, but they're certainly not the entire process of what that visual image eventually uh, gets deciphered to be in our brain, you know, that we recognize as like vision. like blind people seeing. Sure. In fact, the, lots of They can tell evidence. colors. They can put their hand on something and tell, like, if a cloth is red or if it's blue. They, they can actually feel with their hands. Yeah, and they, and they actually have congenitally, congenitally blind people actually have a spatial intelligence where they actually can, inside their own mind, understand dimensional space and things like that. It's actually incredible. So, so we do have this mind's eye that's capable of seeing as well, and I think that there's a combination of those things happening between uh, our eyes and our internal eyes, and then, and then the brain, depending on, like you say, depending on the, uh, the uh, particular reality or, or consensus that that person lives in, then, then it becomes either acceptable to display or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
And same with seeing ghosts, too. Well, ghosts can manifest, and two people can be looking, and, and one will see it and one will not. This happened in my life, even. Really? Makes sense, I guess. Sort of a similar, similar kind of concept, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and it even happens, I think, you know, people might think that we sound nuts, but let me, let me make a, a little bit of a more simple metaphor. You know, I've noticed there are times when I'm driving on the road, and I'll look out my window, and I'll recognize an automobile, a new, for example, a new automobile. Maybe it's a new model, and it kind of catches my eye, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the first time that my mind actually registered it and recognized it. But that certainly wasn't the first time I saw that car. I'm sure that there were many of those cars that passed me on the on the road, you know, before that. I just Did didn't see it. it. I didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. But now that one time I noticed it, and then the and then then and then the the real proof is that afterwards, then you see them everywhere. Right. You know, at first, you, you, the first time you see it, you think, wow, what a cool car. I never saw that before. And then as soon as you recognize it, well, bang, then you spot them everywhere. Sure. So. Because it's, it's, it fits into your, your brain. Your mind has translated that information. Wow. Yep. Interesting. Wow. So, well, th- well, maybe we could talk a little bit more about the uh, about the X conference. Where did did you did you you have a representative there, or were you there, or what? Yes, was I was there also. Were you? Yeah. And it was a th- was it a two day event or weekend event or something? Weekend event. Um, what were the highlights? Tell tell uh, my listeners some of the, some of the things that that uh, went down. Well, there. All the heavy hitters were there. I mean, it was so intense. There was so much going on um, that uh, it was it was actually difficult to absorb it because there was just uh, too many, almost too many things. I'm sure just as much off the stage going on as there were on the stage. Mm-hmm. That's the way those conferences tend to be. The, the, the little chit-chat that happens outside where people are having a smoke tend to be just as interesting as the stuff going on on the stage. Right. Yeah, so it's really hard to... Uh, I think probably it's on their website if uh, your listeners have access to that. But, but Steve Bassett just did a fabulous job of getting all the important speakers and all the cover-up and all the games the government is playing, and, and they just had facts and details and stories and... Just it was Stanton Friedman was there right. and Peter Robbins and Richard Hoagland and uh, wow man yeah those uh, are Corso's son was there they, they Philip Corso's son was there yes wow and uh, Greer was there and so, some of the talks were easier to understand of course than others right hey was that fellow uh, Dan uh, what uh, not Dan Burish I was going to say Dan Burish but no it was another guy his name was. Um, Oh, it just escapes right now. If I think of it later, I'll ask you again, but no big deal. So anyway, yeah, definitely a lot of activity happening on the UFO scene, and there's a lot of uh, uh, there's there's actually a lot of push happening apparently uh, politically, uh, and Steve Bassett a big a big force behind that. So, mm-hmm. okay, Phyllis, let's take a short break here, and uh, we'll be right back on Radio Orbit. All right, that is uh, the first little section of that interview with uh, Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine. I've got that interview recorded. I'm talking to you live right now. It's about 20 after 3 on August 8th, Sunday morning. Hope you're enjoying this interview. Phyllis was a really neat lady. We're going to play a little music uh, first uh, as we we get uh, get going here. I'm going to play, I don't know, what am I going to play here? How about soul coughing? I'm going to try to play some UFO music since 
Phyllis is talking about UFOs right now. This is from a CD called Songs in the Key of X, Soul Coughing. This one is called Unmarked Helicopters.
Yeah, Foo Fighters down in the park. And soul coughing before that with unmarked helicopters. We're going to get right back to my interview with Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine. I'll be back with you guys in just a little while. Okay, so um, let's get back to Fate for a second. Fate, uh, now you guys are out of Minneapolis, right? Uh, yes, the suburb of Minneapolis. The suburb mm-hmm. of Minneapolis. Minneapolis is a great area, actually. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm from the Chicago area originally, but um, I love Minneapolis because I'm sort of a music buff, and there's a great music scene up there in, uh, up there in Minneapolis. Yes, our uh, associate editor plays in two bands, in fact. He has a musical interest, and he's going to be playing music at New Fox, uh, that's an older um, UFO conference that's going to be in Hollywood this fall, so that's going to be kind of a swanky deal. Wow, cool, and they're putting music together with it. Yes, he's going to have some space-age music. Hey, you know, that's what the, that's the way to do it. It's, you know, if you want to get the kids involved and stuff, too, make it fun, put music sure. with it, and, and educate them, you know, and let them learn how to educate themselves. And that's the problem. I mean, we don't teach kids how to learn anymore. We just tell them to regurgitate information, you know. It's hard to... Uh, well, it, the school system, I taught school for a number of years, but the school system is pretty regimented, too, that they really don't encourage a lot of freedom of uh, thinking. You sit in your little straight desks and you you take mm. um, take information down and uh, spit it out on a test. Yep, and you put a uniform on to homogenize it as much as you can and, and, and encourage uh, conformity and don't let anybody be different. Right. And then you wonder why all of these uh, latent abilities and things uh, that... that, that that most people think uh, are special for the individuals that display them. I'm of the opinion that most people are probably born capable of this stuff, but it just ends up getting uh, getting burned out of them through all of the different uh, yeah, cultural things that we go through. Out. Yeah, yeah, and it's a shame. But it's great that more people um, are recognizing this now, and, uh, and I tell you, there are some amazing children out there these days that are just blowing minds, you know, because their parents actually have... Uh, uh, some good ideas about uh, how to let them actually do what nature intended them to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So, well, excellent, yeah. All right, let's see. Fate, what else are we talking about here? You know, can we talk a little bit more? So we'll, let's, we'll, we'll talk about UFOs for just a, uh, just a few more minutes, and then we'll move on. Um, but since the Flying Saucers over Mexico uh, was one of the lead stories in last month's edition, um, maybe we could cover that just a little bit, um, a little bit more. Uh, maybe a little bit more about like what Scott had, uh, had had covered there, Phyllis. Right. Well, you probably are, have more details on it than than I do. But um, the Mexican Air Force um, <clears throat> actually went on. Um, you know, say, said that <clears throat> what we saw were actually um, unknown uh, extraterrestrial vehicles. They said, uh, you know, the Mexican military they never talk about that, but. Uh, they actually went out uh, and went on record as saying that, huh? Yes. Wow, and uh, yeah, that's pretty, pretty, pretty astounding. So, people, you didn't hear that uh, on the mainstream news, uh, I don't think. Again, I probably I shouldn't judge, but was, but I don't think that was on CNN or Fox. Um, if it was, it was probably just a. a quick they had, the, they actually had the lights on uh, on TV. They they showed the, you know, what they picked up on radar. Really? Yes, they actually had a short clip of that on uh, on TV. And I, I think Bassett was the one who narrated. Oh gosh, well, I, I tell you what, I, I I haven't been giving these guys enough credit. Good for them. 
good for them that at least they're uh, you know whether they poo poo it or not at least they're getting uh, at least they're getting it on getting on the, getting on the air and getting in front right, of some people. This is probably eyes. the first time that uh, it made it to that part of that kind of uh, right. media attention. Well, and 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 well, it should have. You have a you have a major Western democracy, one of, one of our neighbors, and a, uh, a country that we consider politically a very close ally, mm-hmm. and uh, and. And we've got their militaries going on record as saying that, uh, you know, that these unidentified, that I guess they really didn't say what it was, but they're saying that they don't know what the heck it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so that definitely fits the definition of unidentified flying object. Exactly. <laughs> so um, until they identify it, I think we need to pay attention to that. So that's yeah. great. And, and, I'm, and I'm really, uh, that, that's the kind of stuff that you'll get from Fate Magazine. So if... Um, Hey, let's do that, um, Phyllis. Before uh, we go any further, let's give out some information about the magazine if people are interested. Um, the website is www.fatemag.com. And um, how else can they get a hold of you, Phyllis? Well, <clears throat> that's really the best way if uh, anyone wants a free sample issue. All I have to do is log on, and we have a simple form they fill out for a free sample issue, and we'll just mail them one, no obligation. They can see what Fate is about. Or if you want to subscribe, it's uh, twenty nine ninety five for a year. It's twelve issues. It's monthly. It's a color. It's kind of like a Reader's Digest. It's all color, about the same size, one hundred twenty eight pages, and just all the latest and greatest news on the paranormal. And uh, we have an eight hundred number too. One eight hundred seven two eight two seven three zero. Okay. We have questions. All right, well, we'll repeat that stuff before the end of the show here. So, All right, and yeah, you know, I'm looking, and you guys, uh, it, it is a really cool format. It's like a smaller, um, like Phyllis says, it's like a smaller Reader's Digest version, but it's a, but it's a pretty hefty magazine. There's 128 pages, all kinds of different stories every month, and, and I'm telling you, there's something for everybody here. There's really, uh, uh, really interesting stuff, and it's, uh, it's stuff that uh, is investigated pretty thoroughly. Phyllis uh, and the people at the magazine don't put in a bunch of hogwash typically. They, and they don't have a hard time uh, saying uh, when something isn't uh, legitimate, or they don't believe that uh, it, that that it's uh, uh, you know something to pay a whole lot of attention to. They're they're pretty discerning there. So um, really cool stuff. Yeah, if we goof up, then we certainly print a retraction. We like to play <coughs> print both sides of an issue. For instance, mm-hmm. crop circles, which is real controversial. Right. If they're all man-made, or if they're all the hand of God or aliens, whatever. So. We have printed articles that are taking both sides of an issue, and it just generates a lot of controversy, but it gets people to think because fate is not a bunch of true believers. They, right. We don't accept anything and everything that happens in the paranormal world. We really look at the facts and the information. So we try to be very objective and have common sense. Well, that's obviously why the magazine has been able to survive uh, for, for 56 years. Um, through, I mean, think of everything that has happened since 1948. I mean, you know, the, the different economic, just alone, the different economic things that have happened in the last 56 years, not to mention cultural and societal things that have happened. And, man, the changes in the last 56 years have been almost... You know, ridiculous to believe 56 years ago if you'd have told somebody what we'd be doing today, you know. But it's interesting because we print every month, we print a story from like 50 years ago from uh-huh. the old states. Really? They're still uh-huh. as good as they are today. The thread of the stories are still as as fascinating and, and uh, 
as magical and wonderful as they were back then. That's the cool thing about fate that I really like because the, the stories still have timely appeal. Of course, some some um, like inventions uh, are dated, but the people's experiences and and how they feel and their you know, how they view spiritual uh, paranormal phenomena it still hasn't changed much. Wow, and you know the the, um, the fact that, that that fate has been through that through that entire period is just amazing and it really does say something for the for the validity of the, of the magazine you obviously uh, have 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 kept um, kept the interest and that's uh, that's something that 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 most um, most mainstream uh, periodicals or magazines can't claim you know so that right. you, guys, you guys should be really proud of it so thank you we are the the real essence of the magazine are the two sections called my proof of survival and true mystic experiences. There's about a half a dozen in each of those sections. They're kind of like short stories, but they're people's mm-hmm. personal experiences. Wow. With uh, seeing a loved one after they've passed on, that they manifest in their, their bedroom or their home, or a pet that dies comes back to them and jumps up on the bed, and, <laughs> and um, or they're in a snowstorm and, and they have an accident and someone appears out of nowhere and helps them get their car back on the road and then there's no tracks in the snow. There's just thousands and thousands of these wonderful kind of personal experiences and it just gives people a belief in a life after death that when when you depart this mortal coil, that isn't all there is. There's more. The spirit lives on and that's really the heart, the source of the magazine. It's just so comforting to people because many mainstream religions just don't give people what they what they want or what they need right and i and and this whole fear of death mm-hmm. uh, is 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 probably the single most debilitating uh concept that our that that, that our culture experiences oh sure because we're so materialistic you right. uh you achieve all these things and then all of a sudden you grow old and die and then that's the end of it but <laughs> we're here to tell you it isn't the end there right. is no death right and i think Your uh spirit lives on we've just got literally thousands of stories with just wonderful it just makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up reading them sometimes isn't that funny in a good way or gives you chills or goosebumps yep and that's something uh, that's the angels whispering in your ears or something that's right Wow, well, those are the best, and it's so it's so great to hear stories like that because it is it does give you, you know, it gives you some hope. Uh, exactly. And uh, and that's what people and without hope, where are you? So you know, uh, it's it's it just makes you stronger to deal with uh, life's trials and tribulations. Right, in a world that, that that's increasingly crazier and crazier. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe not all for the bad. You know, I try to tell people that, uh, you know, as crazy as things seem, that. You know, it's very difficult to make a judgment on 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 what's coming because these 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 systems are so dynamic and uh, that 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 the smallest little changes can you know the smallest little direction of energy in a particular vector will will change the entire system into something that nobody ever even expected. You know, and it might not be as bad as everybody thinks. We might. Uh, we might come out of this okay, you know. It might look really bad for a while, but uh, the earth is cleansing and people are, their consciousness is changing and uh-huh. improving for the most part. Well, you know, um, I don't know if you were familiar with uh, an old friend of mine who's no longer here. His name was Terrence McKenna. Oh, yes. Did you know Terrence? I know his brother. Dennis. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying. To, I'm actually setting up an interview with Dennis. I've, I'm in the middle of an email conversation with him, but we're going to talk in September. Oh, he's wonderful. He is, and, wonderful. and they were both incredible. In the well, you know what? I have a story to tell you. Well, I can't wait to hear it. I, let me th- I, actually let me finish something really fast, and then you can tell me your Den- your Terrence or your Dennis story, okay? Okay. But what Terrence said, a metaphor that he used, and I'll make this real quick. He talked about a woman uh, in the process of giving birth. And he talked about how if you were a creature, an alien that had no um, knowledge whatsoever of the human species, and you just happened to walk in on a, on a human female giving birth, he said that, 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 that alien creature would witness what appeared to be a horrific scene, you know? Mm-hmm. So there'd be pain and blood and swearing and, <laughs> and uh, all kinds of nastiness. Um, but the result of that is this wonder, this miracle, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's exactly what, how, how, what Terrence described as what the earth is going through right now, that even though it looks horrific because we, are, we, we, we can't quite figure out where it's going and we have that fear of the unknown that the result could actually just be a miracle, you know? That's a wonderful metaphor. Yeah. So anyway, okay, well, cool. I'm so, that, that, that's so neat to hear that you're familiar with the McKenna brothers. So well, they got their start with all alternative things, reading Fate magazine when they were young lads. Is that right? Yes, that's what made them go bad. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love yeah, it. Fate magazine was their inspiration. That's that's how they all got how they they both got started. And, and Dennis will else. tell you that too. You know, that is what I call one of these synchronicities, and that's what yes. Terrence would call it. The fact that I'm talking to you and you have this connection to that that is unbelievable and so cool. Yeah, that is really neat. Well, I, I'm making a note right now that when I talk to Dennis, I will def- definitely mention uh, uh, that we that you and I recently spoke, and I'll bring up Fate Magazine. So that's great. Wow. Okay, yeah. Phyllis. Excellent. Let's see. What else can we talk about here? Um, I actually wanted to bring something up that you covered in one of your uh, more recent magazines, and, and if you want to talk about it, we can. If not, we can move on to something else. But it's kind of relevant now because we have the elections coming up again. Mm-hmm. And although I kind of look at the elections as sort of a sideshow uh, to all of this more important stuff that's going on, um, it uh, it obviously has significance in most people's minds. And um there is the uh, the curse to come say's curse mm-hmm. that uh, um, I won't uh, go into it, but I'm going to let you explain it a little bit if you'd like to, and we can mm-hmm. talk maybe a little bit about the history of that and um, and, and and what that means, you know, right now. So, well, the um, the curse is basically that uh, there's a 20 year cycle that. Uh, seems to take the lives of American presidents that are elected in years ending in zero. For instance, William Henry Harrison, he was elected in 1840, Abe Lincoln elected in 1860, Garfield 1880, McKinley 1900, Warren Harding 1920, FDR 1940, and Kennedy 1960. They all were elected in years ending in zero and they all died in office. Now, they said that uh, Reagan uh, was elected in a zero year. Why didn't he die? An astrologer got into this specifically because of this Uranus cycle. Um, uh, Jupiter conjunct Saturn. Well, Saturn, right. Um, that, um, let's see. Um, hum, hum. 
Okay, the reason that Reagan did not die because the 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 sign that it was in was like I want to say like a water sign or an air sign, and the right. other all the ones that other died were were in fire signs, so that it wasn't exactly the same. Like yeah, because supposedly now that Bush uh, is uh, it, it is in the fatal sign again. All right, well, and that actually would make sense to me. And for anybody who knows anything about astrology, real astrology, not the astrology you find in the back page of your paper, but the astro- the science of of, of uh, astrology, which goes back thousands of years, um, the the Gregorian calendar isn't the most accurate of, of uh, timekeeping devices, and um, the fact that. Uh, uh, there, there might be some some uh, over uh, overlap in these cycles or whatever, where the year might not quite fit uh, into the cycle. It makes sense to me, I guess. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and the fact that it was the the, the um, when those when that conjunction happened, they had to be in a fire sign, and Reagan's was in like an air sign. Water and air sign. Right. It, so there was there was a slight this this uh, it wasn't a severe uh, con. Or in opposition, but supposedly now they they say that uh, you know Bush is is uh, under that curse again. Wow. Well, we got. Uh, well, now what has there has there been a case where a president has been elected in a zero year and has actually been uh, elected for a second term and continued? Well, I think that was FDR. Okay, so he actually did. Yeah, that's right, because he was president in '33, I mm-hmm. guess. So, okay, so so even if even if Bush got, term, got yeah, reelected, then then the curse is still valid for the rest of that period of time right. or whatever. Wow. Now, what about the curse? How did this curse originate? Do you know uh, anything about? I believe the- it was. Uh, they thought about it, uh, that it might have been from the Native Americans. Right. Um, when. William Henry Harrison was a general, and uh, he beat up on the Shawnee Indians at the Battle of Tippecanoe, and, you know, they broke treaties and all that Mm -hmm. typical, terrible stuff. And um, Chief Tecumseh, they had no choice but to engage in war. And, of course, they didn't have the weapons, they didn't have the manpower. Mm -hmm. And the legend is that either Tecumseh or one of his kinsmen, a a prophet, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, Mm -hmm said that Harrison would one day be the great white chief, but he wouldn't live to enjoy the office, and that every 20 years, the man who followed him would share the same fate. Wow. He didn't, uh, it, it was just a, a kind of a justifiable curse, maybe, because we were so mean to, to the Native Americans. Oh, I mean, and... Massacred and, them right and left, whatever, wherever yeah. we felt like taking away their land or their culture, just wiped them out. Yep, I know, and it, and it it took me quite a long time in my life to uh, to unlearn what I had been taught. Oh, same um, here. You know, but uh, I actually have a pretty close connection with uh, with some uh, Lakota peoples back in Colorado. Uh, I was I lived in Colorado for a long time, and um, a tremendous group of people. And 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 you're, and Phyllis is absolutely right. What was what was perpetrated on the Native Americans was nothing short of genocide, and. Uh, that needs to be reconciled with, and you know you can ignore it all you want or whatever, but that's exactly what it was. We try to destroy these this, these entire cultures, which had so much to give to us, to share with us, and we're so willing to share. Um, but it's what it was, and uh, you know you can't. I guess we can't change what happened, but we can have some respect for them now and listen to. There's some incredible Native American uh, uh, speakers and and men and women right now that are that are saying really really important things. You know. Oh yes, and their spirituality is so profound. Oh. And, 
and they were so close to the earth, and we just ran roughshod over all that. Just yeah. all because of materialism and greed and... Yeah, and this uh, this separation from Earth and the separation from nature, this idea that man is is separate from nature, is different from nature, uh, and above nature, um, has just been, gosh, it's been disastrous. It has been disastrous, Phyllis. It really, really wrecked our planet. It nearly. really has. It really has. And uh, and and the planet. You know, I, t I, I always say, you know, the Mother Earth is going to take care of herself one way or another. That's right. And, uh, and she's very capable of regenerating, and she's done it many times before, most likely. And who knows how many times human beings have walked on this planet and been wiped clean and then started again. Who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but this defilement, you know, of, of our nest <laughs> is just makes breaks your heart you know and uh and i and i just hope that i i i hope that we uh that that we can pull out of it and and make the changes that are necessary before before we get to that point of no return you know yes i think well, some people are trying many people are trying a lot of people are trying and and a lot of people are catching on every uh every day otherwise i wouldn't be doing a radio show like this you wouldn't be successful publishing your magazine um there are people that are interested in this sort of stuff and they want to hear it and in fact they're starving for it i think sometimes right. you know because they can't get it anywhere else and when it when it sparks that uh you know what i'm talking about you know when you light that fuse people come alive oh yes it's like uh, they've been asleep, and then their their spiritual soul comes alive. It's exactly true, and I, and it happened to me personally. I mean, I was as dead as everybody else a number of years ago, you know. And when it happens, it's it's an astounding thing, and you can describe it any way you want. You can call, it, you know, you can wrap it up in religion, or you can yeah, uh, describe a it a born again kind of thing. But it's an, right. it's a far different from rejoining a constrictive kind of religion huh, isn't that the truth it's 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 the complete opposite it's the li it's the ultimate liberation you know? mm -hmm. yeah that's a good way to put it let's take another break now and we'll be back with phyllis galdi in just a moment on radio orbit all right this is mike live again with you here at about 350 and uh, you're listening to an interview i taped on wednesday evening with phyllis galdi the owner publisher of fate magazine hope you guys are enjoying it i'm gonna take care of a little business here and then come back uh we're, i'm gonna do a couple of spots here we got a couple of shows coming up and let you guys know about then we're gonna come back with uh radiohead and the tragically hip play a couple so uh play a couple songs and then uh back to the interview so hang around for a few minutes and rock out with me and then we'll get back to phyllis galdi and we have a some more interesting things to talk about with her. Hey, the number here is uh, 573-874-5676, 895 kopn That's 895-5676. Give me a buzz. Let me know if you're out there and uh, what you think of the program. And uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes here. All right. Hang in there for some great music, too. Right on. VCR KOPN and Mojos present VCR The Afro-Nuclear Wavability Funk Swing Reggae Terska Band At Mojos on Friday, August 27th, 9.30pm They'll set the cosmic dance in motion As they first did on KOPN back in 1982 For more information, contact the Blue Note box office at 874-1944 Or at mojoscolumbia.com That's VCR, live at Mojos, Friday, August 27th, 9.30pm 
KOPN and Mojo's presents Bobby Bear Jr. with Israel Gripka and the Martyrs Brigade, Friday, August 20th at 8.30 p.m. Bobby Bear Jr. is a rock and alternative country artist who dabbles in pop and soul as well. Now Information about this event is available at www.mojoscolumbia.com or 
right on. Radiohead on uh, Radio Orbit. 4 a.m. You are listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM, Mid-Missouri Source for in-depth news, diverse talk, music of the world. It's more than radio. It's community radio. This is Mike chilling like a villain on this late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Uh, I've got a taped interview running here you guys have been listening to with Phyllis Galdi, the publisher of Fate Magazine, and pretty cool stuff her. just the other night. And I uh, uh, got some Pink Floyd playing in the other room, and you guys were just listening to the Tragically Hip, and uh, also Radiohead. And uh, so, anyway, we'll get right back to that interview here. I just wanted to check in and see if anybody's out there. Give me a buzz over here at 874-5676. So, anyway, okay, let's get right back to this interview with Phyllis. Okay, Phyllis, uh, we were talking about sort of spiritual awakenings and stuff. Uh, and When did it happen to you? Oh, God. Did that happen I, when you were I young, didn't... or did it happen around the time when... Tell, if you don't mind, um, you know, I thought it was just such an interesting story about how you actually uh, got to uh, Llewellyn Publishing to begin with. You were, you were a teacher, I think, or whatever, and then something just happened one day, right? Well, yes, I've had a lot of strange, uh, strange things happen. My father and I... We're traveling through Minneapolis, and I just picked up a phone book, and I just was thumbing through it just idly, and and uh, and I my my hand literally finger went on Llewellyn. I thought, hmm, I think I'll call them about a job, and I I mean I couldn't believe these words were coming out of my mouth. Right. So I dialed a number, and uh, oh yeah, well we might have a part-time job for an editor, and um, sure enough, I wound up working there, and it did change my life. Well, talk about fate. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, come fun. on. That is incredible. I know, and then I dreamed about it um, before they offered me the job. I was back up in North Dakota in our old haunted farmhouse, living there alone, taking kind of a retreat from, from teaching. And I had a dream, and I dreamt that they were going to call me up and offer me like oh, something like $5 an hour. <laughs> and in the dream, I said, no. And then sure enough, within a day or two, I got a long-distance call, and then that's what the job part-time five dollars an hour and i just and i i said yes oh my gosh I, I guess some part of me had to be there but just like you know it wasn't the living wage but then right. someone stepped up and i had a place to stay for like little or nothing as someone you know called me and invited me down to the city so it just all worked out you know it's my funny destiny has been set up for me you know that one of uh, another one of my favorite authors. Um, most of the guys that were my favorites are all dead now, unfortunately. But his name was Joseph Campbell. Oh, and, he's wonderful. Yeah, and, and he was he, he was a big factor in in my sort of awakening uh, when when I started to read and listen to Joseph Campbell. But he talked about you know listening to your inner self and 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 following. He always used to say, "Follow your bliss," you mm-hmm. know, and. And he said that when you do that, you find yourself sort of being helped by hidden hands. Oh, oh, I know. It's just I've, I've been pushed and and uh, kind of kicked and shoved because I was a stubborn Norwegian, so I didn't always <laughs> want to do what what I should have been doing. But yes, I definitely have been pushed in that direction. Well, it's always kind of odd, though. I grew up in a haunted house, and I spent a lot of time alone, and I I saw spirits when I was young, and and I just was aware of other things, so I knew I wasn't normal. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. You know, I think the uh, I think so many children actually experience those same sort of things, but then, like we talked about earlier, they end up, uh, once they get enculturated or whatever, they just 
they, they no longer can perceive those things that they could perceive as a child. It's not that they're not there anymore. They just don't see them anymore. Sure, and everybody tells them they don't exist. Right. Their imagination. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how many times kids heard that? And, like, young kids, they're scared there's a monster under the bed. Well, they probably are. They're probably elementals that are in the house. I've seen elementals. I've seen, like, little nature mm-hmm. spirits uh, on rare, very special occasions, and it was just such an honor to see them. But when I, when I was young, you know, and I saw a ghost, I was just scared to death because I thought they were going to hurt me. I thought they were going to kill me. Right, and, 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 and where did you get that from? Oh, just our... our uh, I suppose, well, we had one of the first TVs in the county. Mm-hmm. Just just conditioning, right. long conditioning. Right, right. And and as a child, you don't Same know any better. You know? Yeah, you have, no, you have no frame of reference as a child, no. so, so that's exactly the way you take it because that's the, what, that, that's the signal, that's the model that you're given from your, your peers, your, your parents typically, and your culture, your society. Exactly. And that's so, of course... That all those things are bad, the... The horror thing, the Hollywood thing, they make it sound so that it's it's dreadful and and very negative. Yeah, and then and, and, when, and I fo- when I was 25 years old, I found out that this ghost I was seeing in my bedroom every night when I was a small child, it was my grandfather. He he died in that room. But if they would have told me that when I was a small child, I, pro- I wouldn't have been scared. I mean, for six years, I was terrified to sleep in that room because I saw it every night standing in the doorway, this wispy image like ghost. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Then when amazing. I was twenty-five, oh yeah, your grandfather died in the room. Well, duh! Why didn't you tell me when I was young? Right. Because I mean, he was there. I'm sure as a kind of a guardian angel, uh, sure, or a guide or something. Spirit, but I thought it was a bad ghost. He come to kill me. Well, I, you know, I'm sure that from his position, he didn't care if you didn't understand. He was going to do it anyway. Well, know? sure, he was there to protect us. <laughs> well, we had lots of seances in the in the old family farmhouse uh, after I grew up, so. We we were able to communicate with him. Really, and not, now where where was it? this? Was you grew up in North Dakota? Is that right? Correct. And uh, what t- where whereabouts in North Dakota? East not Central North Dakota. Gosh, middle of nowhere. Hundred miles the other side of Fargo Moorhead, just up in the middle, literally of nowhere. Oh my God! Any UFO activity up there? Yes, yes. And what about cattle mutilations up there? Is there is there none that I ever nothing? heard of or was aware of? But um, my family talked about uh, UFO seeing UFO things. This is like probably. It, it, back to the 40s, because my, my oldest brother is 12 years older than I am, and I'm 58, so before I was probably even talking, he tells me when they would go to, like, Devil's Lake, which is um, a, a shopping town for the farm, either Devil's Lake or Grand Forks, but on two different occasions they had gone to Devil's Lake to go shopping, because when it would rain, then the farmers would go to town and get their supplies, right. and that was a closest large town to get clothing and things like that but then in the evening on the way home there was a we had very few paved roads back in North Dakota then <laughs> but anyway there was a light that hovered over the car for like probably 10 to 15 minutes they said okay. until they died my parents one said it was a green light and one said it was an orange light talk about perception right. but it just hovered over their car and and paralleled them as they drove uh, east along the highway Amazing. So they both had the experience, but they both re- recalled it differently. Exactly. A perfect. Yeah. Another perfect example of this whole perception thing that we've been talking about. Right. Yeah. But they weren't scared. I mean, they just just kind of accepted matter of factly, which <laughs> was cool. And then on another occasion, they were coming back from a smaller, closer town, and my oldest brother was young and was sitting in the back seat, and uh, he said the whole. It was in the winter time, and of course, there's very much snow in North Dakota. And he said the whole countryside lit up. It was just oh, like damn. this green light, and all the snow was illuminated in the inside of the car. 
and it just lasted uh, a brief time, but he said that they could just see everything. Wow. That was cool. And then when I was six years old, my mother and I were coming home uh, back out to the farm from our small town, and, and there was some kind of a, a craft or light, and uh, we literally we stopped the car and got out and watched it for a while. And this was uh, so it was probably like 53 years ago. I don't think there were many satellites or things like that, but we, we watched the light kind of you know, go around the sky, and then soon it was gone. It just My took off. God. But again, we, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. It must right. be a UFO. Right, right, right. It wasn't uh, anything out of the ordinary. They were very accepting of that. Right. Well, it's weird because I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. We've actually gone backwards in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, in the last, you know, 100, 150 50 years. I was, I was reading about Percival Lowell mm-hmm. um, and, uh, just a few days ago. And, um, you know, he was by far the, the, the preeminent, you know, Mars uh, investigator and researcher. In fact, most of the things that he said then were turned out to be true, you know. Mm-hmm. But back then, and it was pretty much common knowledge. People walk around the street and just kind of, it was no big thing. They talked about life on Mars like it was just no big thing, you know. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was almost taken as uh, just self-evident, no big deal, right? And now, my gosh, all of a sudden... You know, you'd think that uh, heck, we we have to we have to go jump through hoops just to prove that there's water on Mars, which they've known for how many years? You know. Have you read any of our articles that we've had in Fate magazine from Felix Bach? No, I haven't. He is an incredible amateur astronomer, and he claims that there are actual settlements on uh, on uh, the moon. And you can see the the movements, and and you can see things like like furniture and machinery moved around. Wow! Now, does he say? Uh, well, he he says that there's settlements on there that they're keeping hidden from us. So he means that they're they're Earth-based settlement. In other words, we've been we've been up there. You know, something has had to have been going on, Phyllis. I tell people all the time. I'm like, look, we went to we went to the moon in in. 1969 mm-hmm. you, you know this is 35 years ago and if you look at what technology has done in every other area of human endeavor for the last 35 years mm-hmm. and you and then you look at the space program and you tell me that the space program has literally gone nowhere basically right Hard to believe, it's h- very it? hard to believe that everything, that everything went black everything went covert I'm almost sure of it I think so too um, and and so that doesn't surprise me that that. that but it's that, so fascinating all the details and the maps and the drawings and and corroboration from other people with telescopes. Wow! Well, do, do, do me a favor, repeat uh, that gentleman's name Felix and I'll, and I'll, I'll one um, more time. I'm sorry. Uh, Felix Bach, B A C H. Felix and Bach. Just incredible his drawings, and we've had probably five or six of his articles uh, over the last few years, and it's it's all about the. The settlements and oh, um, all the like, communities and, like I said, the machinery and right. the, the things that they can actually see. He's got drawings, he's got sketches, and then other people say, no, it's here. Other people have seen the same thing, but they'll, they'll disagree with the exact location. Well, I, you know, I, I have no way of knowing, of course, but, but just uh, my... My common sense and my and my logic tells me that the technology that's really in play, that's really being utilized and that exists, that we're not privy to, 
uh, as Joe Q. Public, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that that technology has to be absolutely astounding, and 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 I I don't see why not, why they wouldn't have bases on the moon, and and I, and, it, and it certainly is uh, par for the course that they wouldn't tell us about it. <laughs> sure, sure. So. Well, it's just like our, I mean, with with uh, extraterrestrial craft, that some of them are probably um, uh, reharvested or redone. Uh, you know, alien craft that that our military has worked with. Yeah, I've I've, I've always kind of thought that too. That the UFO thing is probably a, a percentage legitimate, a percentage uh, mistaken, and a percentage real mm-hmm. earth 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 based craft where we either figured out the technology or back engineered or did whatever. You know, um, you know, I kind of think that about a lot of things. You 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 mentioned um, crop formations a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you, uh, you gave me an opportunity to pl- to plug a future show, so I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm actually going to interview a woman whose name is Lucy Pringle. Oh yes, she wrote one of the articles for us. Oh well, great. She I wrote I, the, the the pro uh, yes uh, crop circles are real, and then Rosemary Guiley. Uh, you might not want to mention that, but anyway, um, yeah, Rosemary said baloney. They're all mm-hmm. handmade because I help make a lot of them. Right. Right. Well, that's a it, it, it's sure an interesting story, and I think I think my my position on that is probably about the same. That some of them, I think, are very difficult to explain away. Uh, right, I don't think they're all hoaxes. I think a right. lot of them are. But then again, it, then a discredit. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater because right. these crop circles have been appearing for hundreds of years, and we haven't right. had technology and you know high tech equipment to to make them. Yeah, I think since the advent of the the sort of portable GPS thing, yes. then, then then it got then you really saw this uh, this sort of explosion of, of of the of the hoaxers, and some of them were actually so complicated that it was like incredible, you know, it's unbelievable. Uh, and and you know what? And to be honest, I I look in most of the time when I look at it, my first uh, my first thought is not is this a hoax or is this real? My typical first thought. For the for the for the nice ones, or, the, or at least the ones that are nice to my eyes, I think, wow, what a beautiful work of art! Exactly. And if they raise consciousness, then they have succeeded in, in doing what they're supposed to do. And besides that, where did the ideas to create these come? I mean, the fractals and that right. they're inspired uh, in the beginning. So whether mankind does them with some up, in, you know, inspiration from upstairs, so what? Right, and uh, there's a guy. If they change consciousness, then they've, they've succeeded in what they're supposed to be doing. Yep, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And and they're they're uh, regardless of the uh, of the regardless of the the source, they're they're beautiful works of art. And you know what? They're actually like real art. You know, they're they're art that can't be possessed. You know, you can't buy it. You can't hang it on your wall. That's it's, cool. Yes. It's fleeting. Right? right. Eventually, it will go away. It goes with the away. And the harvest. And that's the true nature of, of the aesthetic experience, you know. Uh, it's not it's not go out and buy something and put it on your wall and then stare at it. That's pornography, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but 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 these are true works of art, and I and whoever's making them, keep making them. I love them; they're beautiful, and 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 they're also like Phyllis says. Uh, gosh, some of the imagery, you know. One of the things, Phyllis, that 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 I've read arguing the the uh, um, the the pro. Uh, side of it, you know, saying that at least some of them are a legitimate phenomenon, is that some of the uh, patterns and some of the the actual pictures have been unique in that they weren't, uh, they hadn't been done before in a math book or something. They were first time. Um, 
uh, images or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In other words, no one had ever. It's not like they copied something like a Fibonacci. Okay, you know, you can take a, a Julia set and and if you have the technology or whatever, and you you can go out and make a Julia set because it's been done in the book. Well, there's right. a number of them that haven't been done in the book. This was the first time they ever appeared on the planet Earth. You know. Oh, I know, and it, it reminds me that when we were young, <clears throat> to see, like, the old-fashioned windows of Frost, like Jack Frost would come in your window, and it was these incredible leaf designs, and they would happen over and over and over with, with like, thick frost on the, on the windows right. in the old farmhouse because it was leaky and, and uh, humidity. But those, those leaf patterns were just, just blew me away when I was young and would see them on a, on a frosty window. Man, yeah, it's uh, yeah, and there's layers upon layers of them and stuff. So, anyway, well, it's again one of those things. It's an incredible phenomenon. You know, what did what did you think about the movie Signs? Did you see that? Yes, I did. What did you think about it? Well, I guess I'm kind of jaded because I've been involved with this stuff for so long, right? And it, it was kind of Hollywood sensationalized. Exactly. Well, it was like everything else. It's it was all fear based, and it's well, exactly you yeah. Know, there was nothing uh, inspiring or or ch- in, you know change of consciousness. Yes, it was just like the the bad aliens are going to get you. Right, right, and and which 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 otherworldly beings. Right, and 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 that to me totally uh, doesn't jive with the fact that that again your first impression when you see these things is not fear. It's wonder and and, exactly. and, and beauty. You know. All right, uh, I'm going to cut in here for a second. This is Mike again. It's 20 after 4, 19 after 4. We'll play a little music and uh, get back to Phyllis Galdi in just a few minutes. We've got about, uh, oh, about 20 minutes left of that interview, and I'll be back uh, with that in about 8 minutes or so. All right, check it out. Dada, Radio Orbit, KOPN. Thank you. 
play one here for uh, in honor of James and Melody they were the uh, two lovely people who used to do this uh, time slot before I took over and uh, anyway they moved on there <clears throat> moved on their merry way and I just wanted to say thanks and I uh, hope you guys are doing great this one is for you guys Official invitation to the council's party. Everyone is happy tonight, but not the cause of the world. 
All right, that was Ripple, a Grateful Dead song by Jane's Addiction. You're listening to Radio Orbit. I'm going to get right back to my interview with Phyllis Galdi coming up here in just a minute. And uh, Carol Greenspan is probably on her way in here. If she's not out of bed yet, uh, she'll be here shortly at 5 o'clock doing Jewish Spectrum every Sunday morning at 5 o'clock playing beautiful music for you all. In the meantime, this is Mike on Radio Orbit, and uh, back to Phyllis Galdi from Fate Magazine. And people experience healing. Some people get hits in crop circles. Some feel uh, better rejuvenated or energized or mm-hmm. healed. So there, there's a lot of personal things that happen, when I understand, when people are in a crop circle. And no, none of that was brought out in the movie. It was just very negative. Right, right, right. Well, that's what I thought, too. So, Well, anyway, um, I'm going to talk to uh, Lucy in a couple weeks, so I will, of course, I'm going to have to mention you to every damn guest I have. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, well, great. What um, We've got, what time is it? It's We've been on on, uh, on the phone here talking for about an hour. What, um, what would you like to talk about, Phyllis? Oh, <clears throat> well, I guess my favorite is uh, Life After Death, Ghosts. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit then, and, and uh, you just tell me where you want to go, and I'll just uh, I'll, I'll listen and ask you clarification questions. But why don't you go ahead and tell me some stories? Or well, one of the, my most favorite articles in uh, Fate magazine was from our April issue. It was about ghostly paintings. Have you had an occasion to take a look at that? I have. It was that that the haunted capital. I think you guys called it or yes, something. Yes, yes, that was one of the one of the articles in there. But the the ghostly paintings is just one of the most wonderful, um, amazing things. It's uh, happened around the turn of the century and uh, there were these uh, ladies called the Bang Sisters and they were able to materialize um, finished art. They would put their hands on a canvas. The paintings would be out and sometimes they would put a cloth over it and they were witnessed by many, many people and these complex uh, portraits of people would, would material sometimes in 15 to 20 minutes. And that's what eventually became known as psychic art, I guess. So, yes. Right? Yes. Well, that's one, one version. I have seen psychic art, <clears throat> uh, but not to that extent. And they never were able to prove that these were fraudulent, that these ladies actually just put their hand on a canvas, and then some ghostly painter would come and, and uh, very, very quickly uh, manifest it. And then they said when the paintings were done, it was like the eyes would move around. Oh my God! And that's probably that's probably the source of all those legends of all those old the paintings that we used to see as jokes in like the, you know, the, in the monsters or something exactly, like that. Exactly, where know? where the eyes would follow you. Right, right. So anyway, that I just thought that was uh, was was a cool, wonderful, yeah. magical, fabulous thing that that people have talent to do things like that. Well, you know, it's not bad and scary. It doesn't right. hurt people. It's just like. It opens your your mind to the to the wonders of our universe, the things that we don't know about yet. Like, how did this happen? Right. What kind of energy was able to manifest this? That is incredible. Mm. It, re- it really that that is incredible. I'm actually I, I'm actually looking at it right now. I actually opened the the magazine and I'm, I opened up to this one particular page and those beautiful paintings. Yeah, I mean, incredible. they're just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at one of them right now. I can't believe it. Well, and there's still people who can who can um, 
like talk to you and then paint a picture of like a deceased loved one or something just from hmm. reading it in your aura or your energy or just picking up a picture telepathically and that's remarkable too but the bang sister i think they just did the most incredible um manifestation of this kind of art these paintings are in uh, the spiritualist camps like lily dale and yeah, I'm looking at this one, Dr. Carson's first wife, Emily. Wasn't she gorgeous? Absolutely, an incredible painting. I mean, you would, look, you know, somebody would. It's it's a beautiful portrait. Yeah, beautiful flowers or her white oh, Victorian yeah. dress is just and this, absolutely. It's totally deep. elegant. It's just so elegant. Yeah, this this really sort of textured green background that looks like it's like a forest almost. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, and it, it's cool that. That these little girls, uh, Elizabeth and May Banks, they were from Chicago. There you go, turn of the century. There you go. And uh, it started when they were two years old. Things started happening in their house. Wow. Pieces of coal, not indigenous to this country, started, you know, would fall from the ceiling like Freudian <laughs> phenomena. Right. And when they were five, they rapping spirit voices and furniture would move around. Just, just all kinds of things would happen. And then when they got older. They just said, "Nah, this stuff doesn't exist." I think they got tired of the of the notoriety that that came with it because there were so many skeptics. Isn't that the truth? That happens more often than not. You know, a lot of these people just end up saying, "Forget it." I'm just, yeah. gonna, you know, it never happened. I didn't do this. Right. <clears throat> they just get sick of it. Right. Yeah. They get they get they get harassed so hard when they when they actually say what really happened. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's the kind of stuff, people, that you will get in Fate Magazine. Phyllis, how do you find these stories? They come to us. It's really strange because we will scoop the national news on things sometimes. Well, I, you know, it's, I'm they, they just, they, it's faded. They just, they just, uh, you know, they come over the internet or they come in the mail. <laughs> the, the articles are just, uh, um, <clears throat> and and it's interesting to see because like a wave of stories on a given topic will will show up at a certain time. Huh. So you don't have a crew of reporters out there. S- no. Trying to search everywhere for stories. and No, there's three of us that put the magazine together. Amazing. Amazing that three people put together this magazine on a monthly basis. Yes. I mean, that is quite a feat. I mean, you know, it's, it's a big difference putting out a monthly magazine than it is a quarterly or anything like that. It is a big, big difference. Yes. Not, yes. Not, not just content alone. I mean, content alone is a huge challenge, but, um, but, but just the time frames involved. For right, the production to get it all right. hit and get it, to get it together and get it to the printer. And huh, amazing. How far ahead, how, how far ahead do, you, do, you, uh, do you plan? Do you have to plan like a couple issues ahead or are, you, or, or are they kind of... They kind of plan themselves. It's, yeah. uh, someone else told me about this. Oh, a, a lady who had a metaphysical publishing company, Dolores Cannon, she said years ago her publishing company just took on a life of its own, and she's just kind of the steward of it. And that's really what happens for us at Fate, too. The best laid plans of mice and men, because <laughs> I'm bound to determine that, that I'm going to um, have have certain articles and have a certain cover, and then it just doesn't work out that way. Right. The magazine has a mind of its own. Wow, that's amazing. But perfectly, uh, perfectly believable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that that just seems the way it's gone. Obviously, you know, um, I was thinking before that in the 56-year history of the magazine, I'm sure there were many, many instances where something that was covered in Fate magazine and was uh, probably not covered elsewhere and probably laughed at or whatever eventually came out to be true and legitimate, and you guys, I'm sure, scooped many people many many times over all these years yes yes yeah well the thing um 
I don't have that. Uh, our March issue was about the space flight, uh, how the, um, <clears throat> the space flight now is going into the private sector, and uh, we scooped the national news on that. Right, that was in that was in the in the May edition. You guys wrote about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had there was actually a competition. I forget the guy's name, but the Rutan brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really neat stuff, actually. Yeah, it's just just amazing. But <clears throat> they took it out of the governor government's uh, um, realm and uh, put it in the private sector and offered a prize competition and just boom, people came up with some wonderful, fascinating kinds of modes of space travel. What do you think about that? You think if push came to shove and 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 a private sector individual or company or whatever was actually capable of, of starting to do um, I mean even may, maybe maybe not just orbital but actually was able to you know to get to another body the moon or Mars or something like that do, do you think that the the powers that be would 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 let it happen no you, heck no yeah if it, if it got that far because that would be too threatening to their their total power no right. it's just like like all the carburetors that are people have invented that they've wound up with strange accidents uh, Oh yeah, two hundred mile an so hour control, Just like Tesla, you know, they blew up everything he did because it was free energy. Yep, Tesla, Wilhelm Reich, another mm-hmm. story, just the same. Yep, and uh, and and it's it's really unfortunate. It's really a shame that, gosh, you know, it's 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 just like a devolution sort of thing that we've got caught in this rut with with uh, with, with the people that that are that have their hands on the reins, um, just. Not uh, not being very fair about how they want to share their information, you know. No, no, they they buy up uh, or or squelch a lot of the information for free energy, but it's I think it's starting to make a comeback again. There's some wonderful magazines, and the internet has has uh, ruined control a lot because you can put anything on the internet now. Right. Yeah. There's actually uh, there's a guy. I read a story the other day about a gentleman named Peter Hagelstein, who's a um, MIT. Uh, professor, uh, a tenured professor at MIT, but a total heretic. Everybody hates him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but only because for the last 20 years he's been working on cold fusion and he refuses, you know, to capitulate. And he has said he has maintained, and now these guys are, are, are showing replicable, repeatable results. You know what I mean? Sure. And, um, I mean, this is, this is an MIT professor. You don't get better than that. And, and, and even his own peers won't, won't listen to him, you know? No. So it's unfortunate, but I think you're right. I think that uh, you can only hold back the the wave for so long. You exactly, know? and it's a grassroots kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the 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 solutions are not going to come from the top down. If we no. haven't proved that by now, I don't know what it's going to take to prove it to you. The the solutions are going to come from the ground up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, and that's uh, that that's awesome, and that's the way it has to be because the people eventually have to take control and accountability and responsibility for their own lives. Exactly. And instead of just being Passive uh, followers. Right, right. Well, Phyllis Galdi, you are no passive follower, that's for sure, because uh, this is you've you've had a pretty interesting life and an incredible uh, career here with Fate Magazine. It's so. Really, it's an honor and a joy to work on the magazine. It's it's a real privilege. Yeah. Now, what are your what are your future plans uh, for the magazine? You guys just going to kind of uh, are you are you um, uh, is the the readership stable and everything? You guys are comfortable with the way the magazine's uh, yes, going. Yes, we, we of course always welcome more subscribers, sure. more readers. We <laughs> like to share the information. Uh, Fate had kind of uh, with the previous owner, they had thought about uh, revamping the magazine, changing it, killing it, and having it reborn as a goth magazine. So they kind of took it off the radar of the of the country for a long time. Right, and that was rather unfortunate because it has its own 
own identity and its own personality, and I think it needs to keep that. So we're trying to restore it to its original vision and its original focus and and uh, carry on with that. So we're real excited about that. We have signed a contract with a Hollywood producer for a potential Fate series. No like, way. Yes, like an Unsolved Mysteries or a, wow. or like a Twilight Zone kind of sure, thing. Something sure. very respectful, not sensational. Right. You know, a, a pilot series and then a, maybe a, a half-hour series. And the person we have signed the contract with, we're really excited. His name is uh, Paul Davids and his wife, Hollis Davids. Paul Davids did the movie Roswell with uh-huh. uh, Charlie Sheen and Dwight Yoakam and Kyle Lachlan. That was a Showtime award-winning. And I think he did a great job because he pretty much told everything that happened at Roswell and, and left enough questions there that people could could really ask ask some questions themselves about all the cover-up. Yep, I agree. I saw that film, and it was actually really well done. So he is the producer who is the, who we have our contract with for our, our potential TV series. Wow, good for you, Phyllis. That's yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's Doing really exciting. That's, and that's figuring out what stories would... Because there's so many human interest stories, uh, feel-good kinds of stories, and, right. and again, mind-expanding and, and in a good way. Yeah, you can you can you can affect on a couple different levels, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and and the, the television as 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 much as I dislike the television in general, I guess I dislike it more because of the content typically, but um, but it can be used as a tool, and and uh, I I used to I used to when I watched the television, I used to watch a lot of like the Discovery Channel and the mm-hmm. Learning Channel, but even uh, even those channels now, I think in the last couple of years since nine eleven, I've even seen. Those uh, channels really homogenized. Like the History Channel used to be. Ta- I mean, the History Channel would talk about you know Project Paperclip and the Nazis coming over. Uh, you know, the Nazi scientists being recruited by the uh, OSS. Mm-hmm. You know, and the CIA or the forerunner to the CIA and all this stuff. And then you know the Discovery Channel, Learning Channel would talk. They they always had shows on you know UFOs or Area 51 or or, or the Bermuda Triangle or something. And I've just seen them really go homogenized now. I've seen. I, I totally agree. And it breaks my heart because those were some of the some of the, the the good stuff that was actually getting out, and now it seems like even that's well, all gone. the companies, the TV, they're all owned by like one or two or three big yeah. giants now, conglomerates. So they don't want to offend anybody. They have to have it. Uh, I mean, it's got to be politically correct, and it's got to go with the grain. You know, they they can talk a little bit, but right. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. So that's cool to hear that you guys might be able to pull something like that off. That would be really great. Yeah, we're. Um, it looks like it's. It's going to happen. So. Wow, that's really cool. What's the timeline? Any idea of when when you might get going on it? No, it just depends on when uh, when it happens. Probably within the next year. Are you familiar with electronic voice phenomena? EVP, uh, like yes, uh, yeah, EV, uh, EVP. People, uh, dead people speaking on tape. What's the guy's name? I think Michael Roll or Michael Michael Rolf. I want to say. Uh, an English guy that that that, that re- researches that, but in any case, yeah, I am from. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I'm familiar well, with it. Uh, there's a, a organization here in the United States, uh, EVP. Um, you know, they have a conference and everything. And uh, Sarah Estep is really the grandmother of it. She is a wonderful researcher, uh, a dear, dear older lady who is very, very sharp, and she's just got hundreds and hundreds of uh, communications from the dead. Phyllis- so uh, <clears throat> I'm actually going to be publishing her book on uh, electronic voice phenomena and, and and we're including a tape where where the, you can actually hear sounds from from people from the dead it is the creepy creepy huh. scariest things because their voices are all so strange but you can wow. you can definitely hear the words when they're they're talking 
tell, tell people, uh, uh, describe exactly what this phenomenon is. Well, usually you'll, you'll set up a tape recorder, like a, just a cheap cassette tape recorder. Now they're doing it uh, with computers, too. Right. And um, you, it, it might go for hours, and all of a sudden, you'll hear some like really strange, bizarre voice, and they'll say something like, oh, like from a Civil War, you know, no, we don't want war, or something like that, or like some soldier that has died. It's, it's My just, gosh. It just absolutely sends a chill down the the back of your neck. You might want to have Sarah on your show sometime and talk to her. But uh, to make a long story short, Universal Pictures is producing a movie called White Noise, which deals with electronic voice phenomena, contact from the dead. So people actually have, uh, you know, they pick up the phone and there'll be a voice from from the dead. But oftentimes you can do it yourself. You can set up a a tape recorder like in a a room or something, especially if it's a uh, a haunted house or an abandoned house that's it's real common that uh, um, communications are heard there and, it, and it's it's real noisy and actually it's good if it's noise and now there's ways to do it even with computers to tape record these voices yeah, well it's, it's just another it's, one of those things that we just you know just another one of those mysteries and how do you explain something like that you know yeah right that the, the dead people actually have that much energy they, they, they can do that and it's weird, it, it, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind when you, when you started talking about it is, you know, this idea that everything is waves. Sure, every, and, it's energy. Yeah, and energy, and it's just a matter of, you know, for, for that split second or something, those two frequencies matched or something, mm-hmm. and, and bang, it came through, you know. Yep, the, the spirit, some of them can manipulate that energy or the, the vibrations. And I think that's how you see ghosts, too, that the, the energy, the vibrations are just right in a certain place. Yeah, it's kind of like um, we were talking about before, kind of like a television or a radio station. Just because you don't have the radio station tuned in to my sh- show doesn't mean that my show is not still on the air. Exactly. Right? Yep. yep. So, so you're just not... You're the just right not, uh, bandwidth, kind of. Right, right, exactly. That's a great and that, that's, that's a great way to look at it. And I think you can apply that to all these different things in some, in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You know? So... Well, wow. Hey, look, Phyllis, we are about at the end of our time, and uh, I can actually stay on and talk to you longer, I think. Uh, but I think we better call it quits here. we got some people that are, by the time they hear this interview, are going to be about ready for sleepy time, because mm-hmm. by the time we finish up, it'll be about 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh. Um, but, hey, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for spending a good chunk of your evening with me and, uh, and telling me all these great stories and filling in my listeners about The Great Fate magazine. And uh, we're gonna, let's give out that information again before uh, we say goodbye. Sure, if they want a free sample issue, just log on to our website, uh, fatemag.com, F-A-T-E-M-A-G.com, and uh, there's a say for, for a free sample issue and just... Uh, send us an email and we'll get you one out yeah do that everybody it's well worth it it's a really cool magazine and Phyllis is obviously a neat lady and uh, um, fate has been a big part of this uh, of this culture uh, for for a long long time and whether you knew it was there or not it's been there for a long long time and um, it's going to be there for for uh, for a much longer time I hope Yep, let's hope you get another 56 years. And, man, I can't, I, I can't wait to read some of the stories that are going to be coming out in the next five or six. <laughs> so. Yeah, they keep presenting themselves to us. It's, just, it's very magical how they just show up. You know, um, have you, uh, you, you just made me think of something else, so I'm not going not gonna to say goodbye just quite yet. The, um, the Mayan calendar, I'm not sure if you've ever covered any of the stuff uh, with the, the, uh, the Mayan or the Aztec calendars or any of the 13-moon uh, 28-day calendars, but 
uh, as you probably know, 2012 at least seems to be uh, uh, yeah. ar- around the time when that cycle should be. I don't like to say it's the end of the Mayan calendar. I like to say that it's just the end of a cycle, and then it, right. uh, it begins right. again. Oh, I'm sure as the as we approach it a little bit closer, we will definitely have some more articles on it. I think we did uh, long ago in the past, but right. it's it's uh, eminent now. Sure is. I remember uh, years ago around the harmonic convergence back in 1987. You know, everyone was talking about, well, you know, just wait till 2012, and here we are, five. Well, I guess it's 2005 almost, so we're s- seven years away. So that's right. Incredible. Well, I look forward to reading uh, about everything uh, coming up in this incredible, incredible world of ours. We have an incredibly interesting world, and um, I'm sure glad that there are people like you out there that are making other people aware of it so well and you are doing your part too so we thank you too <laughs> all right phyllis thanks again for uh, uh for your time and we'll talk again hopefully and in the meantime everybody this has been phyllis galdi on radio orbit on kopn 89.5 fm and phyllis runs fate magazine www.fatemag.com go check it out and uh um and we'll uh catch you all next week Alrighty, guys, that was Fate Magazine's Phyllis Galdi speaking to me on Wednesday evening, and that's about it. Uh, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of music here. Carol Greenspan will be here in just a couple of minutes with Jewish Spectrum playing some music for you on a nice Sunday morning. Hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, I'll try not to hit my keyboard anymore. It's the end of the night, you can tell. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 
mother took a monkey for a ride in the air. The monkey thought that everything was on the square. The brother tried to throw the monkey off his back, but the monkey grabbed his neck and said, Now listen, Jack, straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. Ain't no use in diving. What's the use of jiving? Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. The brother told the monkey you were choking me. Release your hold and I will set you free. The monkey looked the brother right dead in the eye and said, Your story is so touching, but it sounds just like a lie. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and stay right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. 